The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. I'm Sharon Kleina. The theme of our show and subject of our show is Power of Water. Everyone worldwide listening to our show is learning that the education that we're providing on this one-of-its-kind only worldwide talk show, Power of Water, the education is exciting. It is. We can get up every morning and put our feet on the floor and begin a day knowing that with water, the earth will be there forever. It'll be healthier if it's clean. And we all need to be part of that. But there's another side to this water. The humidity is water. So always remember the day you were born and you came from that pocket of water from your mother and you entered into that delivery at that moment, you no longer had that water around you. You're living with humidity. And the humidity is vital to your everyday life and your health. It provides a flexibility, a detoxification, and a method of organic living for the humidity to be able to give you the hydration that you need as an organism to be flexible, to be alive, and to live. In the mouth, inside the body, comes the rest, behind the, the earth's skin, your earth's skin. It's no different than the skin of the earth. It's the earth's soil. And what is happening on the outside of that soil, on the outside of your skin, you're breathing, your eyes breathing, your mouth, your everyday living with your skin, it must depend upon clean, fresh, uh, adequate humidity. So this show is there to educate you and remind you. We always know, all of us, that when people are out there saying something over and over again, we don't always remember or realize exactly everything that is said. We'll forget it because we're so inundated all over the world with communications today. And the world is listening now. The world is listening. We want to thank the bloggers. And I especially want to thank Voice America, World Talk Radio, Apple iTunes, and Green Talk Network for being there, for helping us and reaching out to you. Because without them, we could not be doing what we're doing today. And remember, the goal of this show is to remind all of you that we need to join together with the story. And thanks to those bloggers and the people that are helping us write this up every week, every day, what we do throughout the world on our press releases and stories, that we are all in this together. We live on this planet together. But there's something that is is unexcusable that's going on. 5,000 children are dying a day without fresh, clean water and sanitation. 5,000. So... My goal is to reach out and hopefully earn respect throughout the world 
that I can begin, along with others in the world, and save those 5,000 children a day that don't have water to drink. That is unexcusable. Nowhere on this planet Earth should we allow 5,000 children not to have water to drink. The National Geographic this last year came up with a, one, an issue on water. And in one of the stories, there's this little boy, and I've said it before, he's standing in line with his baggie, his plastic baggie, to get a baggie of water, a bag full of water, a little bag, a sandwich bag. He crowds in line. He was beaten to death. He was only eight years old because he crowded. People are desperate out there. It's part, you and I can bring this together. And these shows and our special guests that make it possible to come on and join to help us with the subject matter that they're participating in with the topic that we have them on as a very special guest. So I want to invite you today. We're going to have Gina Samarato. Uh, Gina is in New York. She's gone to Landscaping Design School, Horticulture at Cornell. She's been designing, it uh, looks like to me, around the world. And we're going to have fun talking to her about horticulture, but also I'm going to be getting, asking her for some of the hydroponics that she's been learning about because I've noticed she surrounds herself with a lot of water with her landscape design. Our second guest is John Woof, who is uh, uh, his, oh, John pronounced View, uh, who is uh, from Mepford, Oregon. And we're going to discuss, he's a co-founder of Roundtable Tea Company. And as you know, tea is becoming very popular in the United States as another part of our enjoyment for entertaining ourselves, but for a healthier side of us, too. And remember, that 5,000 years of tea, we've had some tea discussions on here, and as far as I'm concerned, you've got to add, in your daily activity, drinking some tea. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center, and their the product, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. When that eyelid is open... The eyes are dry. Did you know that's 80% of the doctor's complaints, your complaints, my complaints about dries or eye, uh, dries or eye, eyes are dry. They are, they can be red, they can be stinging, they can be tired, they can be exhausted, especially sitting at a computer every day. But with the humidity changing like it is, the eyes will become drier. Did you know that blindness is every three to four seconds? So, and it's, it's getting worse. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist. And we'll be right back with Gina. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Gina, are you with us? Good morning, Sharon. How are you? Well, I am fine. Uh, and you're back there in New York. Did you get the snow this weekend? We certainly did. We uh, got our first really good taste of New York weather this week. <laughs> and, well, it, it, I've been there many, many, many times. And uh, I've been there when uh, the snow has been very high everywhere, and the, those taxis are still getting around. And New Isn't York that is amazing? They really do. Neither down. sleet nor snow. Yeah. Well, tell us about, I was excited to have you on and hear about what you're doing, because we've had on here uh, people in horticulture with landscaping, with uh, the organic farming by thousands of acres and greenhouses and hydroponics, and we could go on. But tell us what your focus has been. You decided, it looked like as a young woman, to go to Cornell and and, and specialize in, in landscape design. I did. Uh, it's something that I've always loved. I grew up in the city, so when I first moved into the suburbs as a uh, young mother, really, and was faced with uh, about a half an acre, to me it looked like Central Park. It was very yeah. overwhelming. And uh, the way I addressed that was by going back to school and really developing uh a passion for landscape and garden design, which fueled my interest in the horticultural basis and the ecological basis mm-hmm. that my designs are based upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you've you've grown. Uh, I was reading your information, and you've got relationships around the world. I do. It's something I really love to do. Uh, good design is is absolutely transferable around the world, around the regions, uh, from person to person. When the bones of a design are good, whether it be in a garden, whether it be in clothing, whether it be in interiors, the principles and the elements are the same. Um, They need to stand on their own. So my challenge is to create uh, really outdoor living spaces that are addressing not just the aesthetic needs and wants of my clients, but also to provide those solutions in a way that is environmentally uh, respectful, that is responsible, that brings something to the table that's far greater than just how the, the space looks. Uh, and in working with my clients, uh, I like to really solve what they see as their challenges and also introduce them to some elements and concepts that perhaps they hadn't thought of before, such as water conservation and farm-to-table uh, eating habits, things that, that bring what is really uh, began so as something aesthetic designer and as a hobby. landscape designer brings to the table how to think about your eating and your gardening. Um, now, that's a fascination. First of all, I'm going to go into the water, and we'll, we'll graduate here with good education. Mm-hmm. You're, this is a special thing you're doing, and I like what you're doing. Uh, it's exciting. I love the, and I like to have people think outdoors when they're living indoors. Uh, Gina, it is so important that our lives, I think they'll live longer. All of us will live longer if we learn to think outdoors, living indoors. Absolutely. It's so important. Absolutely. And then the other one is, uh, the water issue, the water thing, thinking is outdoors, but also, indoors water mm-hmm. fountains and put moisture in the air and healthy humidity and 
and uh, thinking, and eventually uh, you and I'll talk about how do they uh, invent a new shower. I, I have to tell you, I've been in research and dehydration of living a life on Earth for well over 35 years, and and I always wondered, why did they design the showers that way? That isn't hydrating us, and it's just mm-hmm. rinsing us, and we all got into this habit of showers, and but again, that's the other one. I But then you have uh, getting to the table. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your thinking getting them to the table to think about their, uh, nourish, their nutrition? I, I really feel that when people are fortunate enough, uh, especially in the Northeast, and I'm sure the same is true on the West Coast, where footprint is at a premium, not everyone has acres and acres. So the responsibility to cultivate whatever property you've been kind of charged with, with producing some element that helps sustain us all is, is a real responsibility that we need to take seriously. Um, I have really encouraged my clients to think about what they could grow that's going to aesthetically be pleasing, but again, is also going to be beneficial to them as far as their nourishment, as far as, as their little corner of the world. I'm a big proponent of integrated pest management. I'm a big proponent of water conservation. And you mentioned bringing water indoors with fountains, et cetera. I couldn't agree more. My approach is in design, and I I work with both interiors and landscapes, is to kind of blur that line. Um, The benefit of having a fountain in an entry or a fountain in a foyer is not just aesthetic, but as you said, it's going to help bring moisture into the air. It's going to help offset uh, the dryness and all of the physical issues that result from not having enough moisture in the air. Can I tell you what? Uh, my voice, as you can hear, is very hoarse, and this is, you That's know, okay. it's, well, it's well, living it's proof of what happens when, when you're just living in a very arid climate. Yeah, but, Sheena, the one thing I learned when I started studying years and years ago about the dehydration that's causing this crisis of these diseases that are out of control, when in modern times we should have some control, but I learned it was the humidity, number one, and everybody is agreeing worldwide in research that... It is at a crisis. It's at a mortality rate. The humidity is not healthy. But I will tell you, I found when I was studying the insulated windows and walls and forced mm-hmm. air heating and cooling and the chemical and the carpeting and the clothing and, and in the walls and then the furniture, and I could go on and on, and our lighting, they forgot that human life cannot have that severe dehydration. You've got to keep a healthy amount of moisture in the air or we're unhealthy indoors. You absolutely do, and it's really, it's, it's astounding. If you think about Victorian England, when people were afraid to leave their homes, they were afraid of fresh air, they just secreted themselves and closed themselves up. Um, it, it seems as if history is repeating itself. Now, repeat a, that again I really encourage audience. people to not just think audience. outside the box, but to live outside the box. Yeah, Open the windows, get the air flowing, right. introduce the earth elements to how you live every day. Now, have fun with the audience on what you just said. And can you imagine today we think, oh, well, we're the ones that have got the air so bad and yet they end the water so bad. Well, way back in time, they went through problems of concerns of the humidity and the air. And then also they went through severe water problems. Absolutely. And people forget that this is a cycle that goes until people can figure it out. But why is it that people in that era found that, and, and it might be logical and common sense to discuss, but 
why did they decide that they wasn't healthy to be outdoors? I, I really I ponder this all the time, and I go through it today with my clients. What the benefit or the perceived benefit, I should say, of locking yourself, almost hermetically sealing ourselves into our homes. Uh, it, it is robbing us as humans of the elements we need, the vitamins from the sun, the earth, the, the wind, the rain, and it's also... Fresh air. It, yeah, and it's it's kind of twisting the way people think about what is healthy. Um, it's it's everything old is new again, and you're absolutely right. People need to re-examine and rediscover the importance of protecting the waterways, protecting the environment, not in a way that we all kind of take for granted and hear as buzzwords, but in a way that is very personal and makes sense to them and to be, how they live. Participate with the earth you're living with by just what you said. Participate with the earth that you're living with. Exactly. Exactly, and and what I what I tell my clients is, you have to start at home. You have to start with what is going on within a fifty foot radius of your front door. Um, it's it's very hypocritical. Uh, I feel when people are designing a landscape, for instance, that requires enormous amounts of. Water enormous amounts of pesticide and machinery and things to, to maintain when a good design that is suitable for the location will not only be healthier to live in, it will be maintenance-free or as maintenance-free as they're going to get it um, to introduce an indigenous element that makes sense. And the byproduct of that, uh, which is unfortunately secondary to the aesthetic calling that people usually start on is a healthier environment right in literally their own backyard. Yeah, yeah, there's a saying out there that what you put around you is uh, very feng shui. In fact, I never pronounced that correctly. But it <laughs> you, makes, pardon? Feng shui, but you were very Feng shui, close. there we go. I, do it, I always do that. But anyway, and I've had people <laughs> all over the world come to my place here and I'll describe where I'm at, but they say, Sharon, you are so feng shui. And because I believe that how I live in my environment makes me a better person to live with other people and how I feel about myself. And, and I'm known to do the craziest things to do but this. But again, you're saying to your clients, live with the way you want to live and how it makes me feel good about what you're looking at and you're smelling and you're breathing and your uh, your vision and, absolutely and, 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 and you and hear the good birds design the hallmark of good design and i exactly. i say this over and over again people are looking for well what makes good design and it's very simple when you are in a space and you feel good you feel comfortable you feel happy you feel lightened that is good design and a very easy way to see it for somebody who hasn't really thought about it um, I have yet to meet somebody who can walk into a room and see a, a picture on a wall that is crooked and not feel the urge to go and kind of straighten oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's a very obvious I don't know about men, when, but when we women always wanted to uh, re- uh, balance a crooked uh, mirror or a crooked picture. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my job as a designer is to draw attention to the elements that may not be quite as obvious when they're mm-hmm. amiss but which collectively, the synergy of all of those elements working properly 
creates a space where you just feel good. And we've all experienced that as well, where you say, I just love this room. I could stay here forever. I, where there's a certain room or a home or a hotel or a town or some place where you just feel comfortable. And for that person, all of the elements are kind of doing what they need to do mm-hmm. to lend themselves to it. And in any really good space, you will almost inevitably find representation of different elements. You're going to see air and light and water and earth and all of the things that synergistically support us both emotionally and physically. Now, have you done uh, any uh, – uh, there in Manhattan, they have so many different um, apartments or homes that have a landscape design – I mean, I mean designs of, of, of inside the ha- of their homes that make mm-hmm. them feel like that. Have you done any of that? I love working like that. Uh, when you're introducing – Outdoor elements, traditionally outdoor elements indoors, indoors. whether it be as blatant as a, uh, an enclosed rooftop garden right. or whether it be as subtle as a fountain in a room or a, a grouping of plants, what you're doing is just kind of grounding people to their environment a little bit. Right. It's especially important in Manhattan or any other large city where nature is kind of at a premium uh, I, I really do believe that that grounding back to an organic place is is very important to keep ourselves balanced. Um, so working with uh, my urban clients, whether I'm working on it could be a tiny little patio outside right. where we're just putting a very well-chosen collection of containers um, to where we're bringing those traditionally garden elements into the home, what we're doing is really kind of setting our equilibrium again uh, so that if, if not literally living indoors and out, the best of that effect can be recreated. The ambiance. Mm-hmm. The feeling. The rhythm. Exactly. Everybody has to realize that when they're born, you pick up a rhythm that you begin to personally feel comfortable with. And these things give that person from young childhood through life a rhythm of, of, of feeling the earth around them and, and the space around them. And, you know, something I've always said, Gina, people shouldn't be ever embarrassed to be lazy once in a while and just sit back and smell and feel and listen to something that is making them feel good, even if it's only 15 minutes a day. Maybe that's why meditation through the world became important to some ways of life. But when you're in your home and you've got that one spot that you can go over to that has something to do with a water fountain and some plants and a chair and to sit there and feel like you've you've changed a spot in the house to where it's going to make you feel very meditating, where you could say your prayer. You could have a prayer station there, your meditation there. But it makes you feel important and, and, and something you're adding to your gift of life right there in that little spot. So you're right. Now, I noticed um, on some of the outside landscaping, uh, now on some of your horticultures, uh, tell us some of the things that you like to do for people to think about how to water. Uh, I truly have learned, and we all are learning, we've been overwatering, and it's not on purpose. It's not being careless. You only water with the tools that are giving to you to water with, Right. 
Yeah. If somebody hasn't yep. invented those tools, you're going to do it with the tools that you have. Is well, there anything like new going every on? every other life form, and humans I would include in that, uh, exactly. the, the plant life that we choose to the watering um, and the methods of not having to use so much water because it's never been necessary, but we just didn't have the tools the, uh, to not water any differently than we have when we go buy these things. Is there anything new exactly. happening? Exactly, and kind of the downside to progress is we have access to plants and materials that were not always available. They're not indigenous. Whenever you're introducing something that doesn't naturally grow in an area, you're already challenging nature. Mm-hmm. Um, if people make selections that are better suited to their climate, uh, they won't be fighting nature. If you're not putting plants that would absolutely thrive and flourish in a tropical setting in an urban setting, well, clearly you wouldn't be using as much water. Um, Xeriscaping, which has gotten a tremendous amount of press, doesn't need to be as conclusive as things that take a lot of water or things that take no water. Sometimes there's a very vast selection in that gray area in between where you're making selections that are just logical for your space. Um, Herbs traditionally are not going to take as much water as most ornamentals, but with that said, are very ornamental and into themselves. So it's it's just making some wise decisions. The other thing is plants are adaptable. If you, and I see this all the time, people who uh, sprinkle or irrigate their lawns, the lawns don't have to work that hard to find water if water is just dumped on it every two days, every day. So it develops a very shallow root system. You can train your plant material to a large extent to become more drought tolerant by easing off, letting those roots search a little deeper, uh, and letting it Uh kind of find a balance that's more responsible for how we are using our water and also just makes more sense. You're you're making a, a hardier, sturdier plant. Now, I'll tell you something. We had a, a absolutely unbelievable Fred Cushman on here. From He's been doing organic farming for generations by thousands of acres. And he was mentioning how the reason they didn't need very much water to do all that they do year-round, it's, it's the way you work with your soil, the surface of where you're at. Absolutely. And, the, and, and, and I mentioned, because of my research background, I said, you mean you're changing that surface to draw moisture from the humidity based on temperatures of what you're doing with that surface of the soil or whatever it may be you're growing. And he said that's exactly it because if you're creating a humidity effect that it's pulling out of the moisture, uh, out of the air what it needs, that vital humidity that I talk about that is so important for all living organisms, he said then you need less water. Absolutely. It'll pull it out of the air for the humidity. And that's why I've always said that Homes should have not a humidifier that's forcing the issue in the air, but put bowls of water or attractive ways around the home so the air will pull out of that bowl or that fountain what it needs naturally. And it won't have, be over humidified, but it won't be, mm-hmm. it'll always be making decisions based on that environment. I mean, that Absolutely. atmosphere. And I think it astounds people when um, we do install a fountain 
and an interior application mm-hmm. when people realize just how often they need to fill that fountain, how much oh, water really is true? being absorbed into the yes. air. It's staggering. Yes. I know. We all and, we all think, oh, my gosh, and uh, I, I forgot to fill this up, and I can hear that thing uh, uh, with, a gr- uh, with a grind. And then that's the right. But you that's don't right. realize where it went. It went to the air that you've been wanting to pick up for your body to live. Well, and again, what's old is new again. You know, we all remember, um, either from our own family or reading about it, how it was a very common practice to keep a pot of water on a wood stove. There we go. There we go. You know, this is a hundred years ago. People figured this out. Well, they were more survivalists. Today, we expect everybody to offer us the answer. Uh, It's kind of like I've said, Gina. The person never goes to the doctor and tells it's get they're really down and out. They get in there and they want that doctor to say, "Tell me what is wrong with me." And right. uh, rather than uh, being proactive, and, uh, and there's no, we've there's got to no start getting more it. proactive about even your world. You're in a very serious world for the people to live to learn in. You're mm-hmm. learning how people, your methods and secrets of what have been taught to you and what you can learn with your experiences, what people can do to live a better, healthier life. And Absolutely. some people and, might and, think, oh, this is a landscape design architect, da, da, da. No, 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 no. You're teaching people how to live in the environment, in the atmosphere where they're at, and, and, and be healthy. And, and with a responsibility to the footprint and to how it is affecting the rest of the world. Exactly. With, you made a very good comment about uh, how the earth is prepared to accept these plants. If, if I've seen gardens and landscapes where the earth is so hard packed, it's it's truly like concrete. So when you put water on it, it would react exactly as it would if you were to pour a bucket of water on concrete. It just rolls away. It doesn't absorb. The soil being tilled and having a friability, having a permeable surface, putting the effort in to do it properly will require far less water usage, and then in keeping the moisture in, the use of mulching, the the method of planting in groups as opposed to singular elements, all of these practices are not just sound horticultural practices, but they're sound environmental practices, uh, and they're treating the earth with some respect. And we'll say the word environmental, and people get kind of, you know, they hear it over and over and over again. Oh, global, global warming, global climate, envir- uh, environmental. What they don't realize, it's exciting to live with the planet the way it wants to live. And we will learn to live with that. Now, we only have about a minute left, and um, we've, I will ha- we'll love to have you on again. And every time you learn something else, let us know. I'd love to. Because people love their own spaces. And we talked a lot about that. But what would you like to leave them with in this last minute? I'd like to leave them with the the very firm knowledge that you don't have to sacrifice form for function. Creating a landscape and creating space, I want to say, both indoors and out, that respects the environment, that is a responsible way to create something beautiful around you is not a compromise. It may be a different way of thinking. It may require a little more thought and a little more effort up front, but the rewards are absolutely tenfold, and there's nothing compromised in the beauty. In fact, it's more spectacular because you're not fighting against nature. You really have the opportunity to create a space that not only makes you feel good, but that you could feel good about. I think the only fighting we've ever done that I find uh, number one 
in modern times is insulated windows and walls, Gina. I have to tell you, mm-hmm. I'll never forget when I started studying that. I thought, oh, my gosh, what's that doing to the breath of life, to people's life? Well, we're out of time. I really appreciate what you've taught us, and you keep that up because – and and don't forget, uh, whenever you want to send something to us on something new, email us on what you're learning. I and then I can mention it every once in a while. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having well, me. Well, thank you. And you enjoy your day and be well. Thank you. Same yeah. to you. Well, see, there's so much to learn about where you live indoors and where you're living around your indoors looking out. And the choices, you can be in a small apartment, you can be in a hut, you can live in a home, but it's how you want to live with that. And bringing your outdoors in, the environment of, of the trees, uh, the water, and that healthy living. And uh, we're all learning. And this is just a reminder of something you probably already know, but maybe after you've listened to this show with Gina today, you might get a little uh, excitement of going, you know, I think I'm going to go down to my shop some of my stores and see what they've got available to add some new ideas to my living indoors. Well, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist, and then we're coming back with a very special guest about tea. And you know I have a favorite thing on the subject of tea. That's 5,000 years of tea, but you know what tea uses, water. We'll be right back with our guest, John, and we'll listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. John, are you with us? Hi, I'm right here, Sharon. It's nice to talk with you. And you pronounce your last name View. That's right. But it's spelled W U I F F. W-I-U-F-F, yeah. Now, what nationality is that? <laughs> well, that's uh, a Danish with a little bit of German with a double S, and then it was altered <laughs> at Ellis Island when my people immigrated over. Okay, so, my husband's from Holland. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so yeah. mine's got a, mine is Kleine, but uh, back to your name. And uh, how long have you been involved in your, with your, uh, obviously a passion, because I've been reading your material with, for, for you and your wife, 
tea? Actually, we've only been in business a couple of months now. Uh, oh. We, we're just a startup uh, here as a local business in our town, and uh, we're just surprised. Yeah, nice that nice uh, information. And uh, so you decided you wanted to get into your wife, and it was it was her sister decided yeah. they wanted to get into uh, specializing in what's called a round table tea company. I would My, suggest you people file a registered trademark because I think that is an absolute fabulous name. Oh, it was great. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm surprised how many tea companies out there and the different names, but. Uh... That's a special one for us, a round table with one word rather than splitting the words because it means sitting down and having a discussion with other people. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the reasons I became intrigued with the tea long ago now, because my field is researching water and dehydration, hydration, and I went in into it in the medical field, but also uh, I, I go into it all over the world studying the world, uh, the globe, and water and the humidity of what's the relationship between the water on the ground and the humidity effect, the water and the air we're breathing, that a lot of people forget, John, is the most, it's it's the vital side of your everyday living, is making sure you have enough humidity to live and be healthy. But back to teas. Now, uh, do you know uh, about the history of tea? Uh, Can you tell us a little bit? It's one of the oldest drinks in the world, it goes back, like you were saying earlier, some 5,000 years. It's the second most consumed beverage in the world. It's the first, uh, and coffee is really second, and that's more popular here in North America, but around the world and for the longest time, tea has dominated, and that's how people have received their fluids. And when most people talk about tea, and they're talking about uh, the camellia sinensis from China, or they're talking about Assam from India. But uh, every culture in the world has a tea, which is like an herbal blend of things from their area that they boil and cook and they drink. So really it's a global thing that most people have. Well, as you so know, we- we've had people on here from all over the world about tea, the tea companies, the biggest in E2N and some of the others, and now yourself. But as you know, the history of why they got into Europe because the water was so bad that they decided that if you boiled the water that China had uh, a direction they would like to go for drinking tea. And yeah. uh, now here in America, this much uh, has, uh, has passed. I need to tell you before we get going, I was looking at your literature, and my mother, uh, as I was growing up, would have these what's called women in for tea parties. Yes. And the teacups. Uh, I owned no end of teacups because they would have me as a little girl. I would play the piano as these women came in, and then if they, and then I go back to the piano and do a little bit for my mother for the, while they're sitting there drinking their tea and their little uh, pastries that she had prepared for them. And these women, and uh, and if she had a charity going on or a particular wanted to invite some women in, they held those uh, delicate teacups that you have in your pictures and your literature. Well, my uh, this we're coming up on the anniversary of uh, the passing of my wife's sister, who a year ago was uh, came down with a cough at Christmas, and within one month died of a very aggressive cancer. Oh, I'm so and, sorry to hear that. And we 
went through a period of grief with that and shock, but part of it was to start up this company that something good would come out of that because they had dreamed of doing a tea company for so long. But Mm -hmm. the more we looked into it, we also discovered that a tea and hydration together helps uh, balance out your body, but it also deals with cancers and other things. Well, the lungs. The lungs, the humidity inside the body is your lungs. Yes. And outside the body of your skin, the humidity must be able to work with the organism of the skin. You're breathing, and you're, of course, now, and I'm in the eye category too, but and the, when your eyelid is open, the eyes are 99% water at the surface. They have to have clean humidity, or you have a vision impairment that begins eventually and could go blind or just severe vision impairment. People are learning now that... Yes, coffee is a very entertaining, and there's some good to coffee if you don't go extreme. Now they're learning yeah. to add tea to your day, and the tea and your occasion, the way you entertain yourself. Now, I'll tell you, John, what I did. I found myself uh, in, during the day drinking tea as an entertainment to myself, and I got into the loose-leaf teas because uh, I could go to my kitchen in my little box on my counter and decide which mood I'd be in for the tea at the day, the beginning of the day, through the day, and found myself, and then I recycle if the tea. If I didn't drink it all that day, uh, I, I could probably drink some of it the next day and reboil it again or put the boiling water on it again, steep it again. But then I recycle it by putting it in a pitcher to f- f- water my plants with it. And uh, But I noticed perfect. that your approach here on your occasion of making tea an occasion with your teacups. And before we go on uh, and talk about some of the teas you're doing, the different types of teas, uh, do you by chance have tea cozies? You know, the tea, you've got your teapot, and you put your teapot inside of your cozy? I have one that one, my wife made them, and we certainly, you can get those, and they're for sale. Do you use a cozy? Oh, yes. I bought mine in Holland. There it's a large one, and it snaps shut at the top. It's got the wire frame. And and uh, then here in southern Oregon, there's a place called the Kitchen Store. And I went in there prior to Christmas, and I kind of wanted to get a few some of my friends something that normally they might not think of. And when they started hearing me interested in teas, they all of a sudden became vulnerable to drinking some more tea. <laughs> well, then, yeah, I know. We do that to each other. And, uh, yeah. and uh, the show helps, too, by the way, because people listening all of a sudden think, you know, I think I'd like to have a tea, some tea once in a while. So, but anyway, and other things that we teach on this show. But uh, they had a woman in town make them, but they weren't with the metal frame. They were like you have to do tie them up, and they shrink around uh, the darling little tea cozies around the different sizes of the teapots. Yeah. And the other way we use, um, at our tea tastings, and what we use mostly is a, uh, a flame from a tea candle over a stand or a tipping, tea, uh, tipping tea kettles. I don't know if you've ever seen those on a stand. Yes, I have. And those work really well for us because uh, a tea cozy will eventually cool off, but I can keep a pot of tea warm for six, seven, eight hours with one of those lamps. And uh, for our purposes, when we're serving people and doing tea tastings for catering, that works fantastic. So. Now tell us about your tea, par- uh, tea, your round table tea company catering. Uh, you know, well, we... you're going to be fascinated. A few months ago, I said to somebody, 
I can hardly wait to find some time where I can have a day where I could have a few people in and have a tea party. Uh, see, I grew up with that anyway, and uh, because my mother did that, and I enjoyed it. And uh, we've had my my grandchildren love to have a tea party at Christmas time, helping me decorate the tree. It's the girls. The guys would they just invite the girls. And, uh, and then my daughters come in and we have a tea party, but we have these little munchies and it's only the girls and we're decorating the tree as an occasion. But you're doing this as a catering. Yes. Well, we're trying to bring back what, what used to be a common experience like you're describing. But uh, really today, a lot of people are not familiar with what you're describing. I live out on the West Coast, and out here it's not as common as it was out on the East Coast, which is uh, far more of a tea culture. Out here on the West Coast, we're big Starbucks, and there's coffee kiosks on every corner. Well, they're living in their car. They're not stopping to have tea. (laughs) That's right. So tea is something. In the bigger cities, they they think of something in a bag that's all chopped up, and they. Yeah. So when we do tea tastings, uh, we have them smell the tea in the tin and they actually drink it. And then I see the surprise on their face, and they're shocked. We just did yeah. one on Friday, and everyone's shocked. That's tea. Oh. That doesn't even smell like tea. And then they try it, and then they want to try some more, and and uh, they start getting involved in it. But there's a whole tea yeah, culture, Yeah, tell us too. about that occasion now. Uh, and I'm calling it an occasion to entertain. And um, I need to warn you. I need to tell you. I don't know how old you are, but I, I, I just turned 70. And uh, I re- that's why my era were doing those things. My mother, uh, I come from an era that I have to remind people uh, that I might not look 70, but I am 70, and I had an era of living that is so different than the last 30 years. Yeah. As our occasions, our entertainment, our manners, our uh, uh, courtesies and enjoyments in life were very simple. But we, in, we did these it things so as much an, an occasion. <laughs> Pardon? It was so much healthier to live the way we used to long ago. Well, there was a saying, let's work hard so we can play. Yeah, So you exactly. work hard so you can stop during the day and have a moment to take a breath and have an occasion to drink some tea or whatever. And then when you went home, again, we worked hard to relax, but we didn't want to relax until we had done enough. And But people weren't guilty, feel guilty, because they did that. Exactly. They don't have to keep that energy going in the old world to make them feel like they're really satisfied with all of that excess energy. Now, tell us about the teas that you're learning about, that obviously your, your sister-in-law had a passion for. And, well, uh, and what was her name? Beth was her Beth? name. And Beth had Beth. a passion. Okay, well, she had a culture. passion about, uh, obviously, because she knew the world was waiting. So tell us about some of these tea- things that you were learning about what teas are uh, now. Is it the loose leaf tea, or uh, and some of the teas that are in the bags, and what quality of bags are those teas? But tell us a little bit about the tea. Okay, we sell loose leaf tea, and we sell all kinds. We go from uh, white, green, black, and red uh, from all over the world, and we bring them in from a couple of distributors that we have. And we uh, carefully pick according to what we feel are the top quality type, and we're we're finding that uh, we have a wide range of teas that we're selecting 
based on uh, people have different tastes. You know, that some people really like uh, a dark black tea. I, I've got several uh, people from Britain and New Zealand and other people in this area, and they want a tea. What they mean is a breakfast tea. But uh, there are others that don't like that strong tea, and they much gravitate towards a white tea from China uh, or a red tea from South Africa, and uh, they really are enjoying uh, those. But I'm trying to get people buying on their biases and to try them all because they have different benefits based on where they come mm-hmm. from in the world and how they're processed and produced, and we pay quite a bit of attention. What is to your most popular people. one? Uh, say that again, I'm sorry. What is the most popular that you have found? Well, I I want to say Earl Grey, but I've found a few people that really don't like the bergamot in Earl Grey. But so far, right now, the Roybus tea is by far the popular tea. The, which one is it? Roybus. Roybus is not even really uh, a tea in the classical sense. It's not from China. Uh, it's a herbal plant from South Africa. It's the only mm-hmm. place it grows. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful uh, herbal plant that makes a nice, sweet, red uh, tea, and it has no caffeine, and it's loaded with with all the great stuff that makes a difference in your life. Now, what you might do for our listeners, can you, can you spell that so they can yeah. hear the spelling of it? Absolutely. R-O-O-I-B-O-S. There we go. And rooibos is it's the next more of an, it's an herbal tea, not a regular. That's right. You can find it. Uh, even Starbucks sells it now. Yeah, I so heard you, that Starbucks is into serving teas. <laughs> they are starting up because it's catching on. We sell all loose teas. We sell rooibos teas. We they they uh, flavor really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but rooibos has found to be high in polyphenols and captions and uh, that make a great uh, way of detoxifying yourself and uh, getting rid of uh, free radicals. They attack that. Rooibos even is high in fluoride, uh, mm-hmm. good for your teeth. It's got uh, fights uh, bacterial infections in the mouth and plaque and mm-hmm. all these kind of things. It gives you a wonderful fluid. Now, I'm going to bring you back to one that you're, you're not going to be startled with with this question. Yeah. The famous... Okay. One that America talks about the most, green tea. Green tea. <laughs> Can you imagine what happened when people started drinking in America green tea? It's phenomenal. It, it's unbelievable how many people yeah. are drinking green tea. And green tea is great because it's not uh, processed as much as black teas, mm-hmm. and they're high in polyphenols too, and and they do great to clean your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, white teas are now um, even better than the green teas. And uh, white teas are coming from China. They're the early pick. They're just, uh, they're not processed at all. It's almost like you got the leaf off the it's, bush. It's a true loose leaf raw tea. Yeah. yeah I call so it, I, I, I didn't mean to say, put words in your mouth about the raw, but in other words, yeah. they didn't process it. The same. You didn't process it, and it just, now what it, shocked it me, John, is when I started diving into this years ago, uh, some time ago now, but getting more and more lately. But can you imagine the genius of somebody that long ago learning learning to dry that loose leaf tea in that tight 
method of drying it, and then when you water touches it, it just envelops into a leaf. Oh, that it, yeah. The oldest tea in the world um, is the is the Pure tea from uh, southern China, and uh, their genius was they didn't just uh, try it and see it grow like that. They actually pressed it into cakes. Mm-hmm. And then they aged it in caves like you do wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would form a bacteria on it, and it's the tea that they call, call a living tea that makes such a, a tremendous difference. It actually helps with digestive system and so on. And they discovered this thousands of years ago. I know. Isn't it amazing? It, it's amazing. The world of tea, there's just so much to learn and discover. But the, the place that's why I started adding it to the show here because of the power of water. But how could you have the power of water show, even though we're talking about Earth, uh, uh, what's going on with life and death on Earth because with pieces of water and the humidity? But you, I had to bring in the tea because oh. they started drinking tea so far back when the water was bad. Because you could boil, yeah. they learned with, with uh, survival that if you boil the water, the water will be safer, and they wanted a flavor to go with it. And they knew that if you added uh, things to that boil of water, it, it did even more for you, and depending mm-hmm. on what you added to it, it would help you in other ways. Some of the first medicines, right. And it's the first Well, we only have medicine. a minute left. What is your website? It's at uh, roundtabletea.com, all one word. All Just like I said, roundtabletea.com. And people can go in and you have teas to sell. You have ideas of occasions to think about uh, other people around the world can consider and bring Absolutely. tea back into your entertaining yourself during the day. And that's exactly right. We've got all our products listed there, and you can order it right online and then ship mm-hmm. it out to you. Okay. Now, before we go real quickly, and how how long can you own the the loose leaf teas? And in other words, you have it in a uh, in a protective package. Uh, but how how old can they be? Do you know the shelf life of them? It's actually, if you're in a protective package, uh, a couple of years before, uh, for okay. the best use date. Um, they they'll last for a while. I've never had one last that long in my house. <laughs> you're drinking it. By then. Okay. Right. But uh, absolutely, you, they can last for... You so know, people can call you up and say, hey, I'd like to do what you're doing in my community out there in the world and have roundtable tea parties. And uh, how are you doing it? Well, we're we're just starting out. You just get, like in anything else, you got to have a passion for it. you got to yeah. know your product and really want to do it. But apart from all that, you really... I think tea is about relationships and uh, building new friendships. Yeah, it is. It's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, I want to thank you, and you tell your wife I said hello. I wish you well. I'm always admired uh, entrepreneurship and passions to that. So I I, and bless you all, and you you be well. And thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. You have a nice day. You too, sir. Thank you. Well, I have said at the end of every show, Earth does have secrets. And it's when you reach out and you want to learn what those secrets are, not just for you and your life, but what is other people's lives and secrets to Earth's life. But embrace it. Enjoy it. And, and we've learned, we can learn a lot from all of these guests that come on with these passions. But I've always said, too, at the end of the show, Earth is whispering. 
I think it's whispering that we need to value what we have here and be open-minded and be concerning of other people's lives and what they're concerned about. So here we are at the end of the show. I want to thank you for living, living with us in the show and being here. And I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to thank all of our special guests. And I want you to have a nice day and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 